I will never write a single line which I have not first felt in my own heart. He'll teach you everything. Truer words were never spoken. All right. Language and writing were made available. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. Hey, how are you? What's going on? You good? Everything cool? What's up? I'm John. This is John Helps You Write Better. Let's let's go do some stuff today. Floating around the internet last week, I think I saw this on Twitter, but I, I know I've seen similar things on other social media platforms. There's this uh, screen capture of a review left by a reader on somebody's book, and it, it makes three points in, in a very short period of time. It leaves also, this is worth pointing out, a one-star review. So it's a one-star review making three points. First point, um, the reviewer in question found a typo. And because of this typo, they were unable, absolutely unable to not finish the book. They DNF'd, did not finish uh, the book, and they had to let the author know. Second point, uh, the author should have hired an editor because uh, they shouldn't have typos in books. And... uh, Item number three, the reviewer called the author a lazy bitch. Now, I want to address each of these three points, and I actually want to go backwards. I want to go from three to two to one. But I I first want to make a a pretty straightforward disclaimer for a lot of people. Because star reviews, or the, the stars in reviews, stars and reviews, however you want to frame it, become a very big deal to writers for a number of algorithmic and capitalist decisions because we are trained and abused and traumatized and forced to see that our quality as an author, our goodness as an author, our ability to persist as an author comes down to whether or not somebody decides to put a number of graphics into a little text box. And I have talked about at length in other spots that your existence not just as an author, but as a human on the planet, has nothing to fucking do with the stars on some website. You are still capable and and responsible and functional outside of those stars. And I know it doesn't feel it because we are very much so often locked to our desks and our screens and our monitors and our phones. And we, we have a lot of emotional investment in these books and we have a lot of emotional investment in our efforts and we have a lot of expectations as to how things are supposed to be so that when we see a number of little graphics show up on a fucking website, we immediately use them as a permission slip to erode our motivation, our interest, our focus, our passion, for whatever reason, we cede an awful lot of control of ourselves, an awful lot of interest in ourselves, an awful lot of things we love to do. We, we give it up because somebody somewhere said, oh, this is a two-star, not a three-star, or something like that. And, and you are not your stars. And I know that's easy to say from the outside of this moment because I didn't get the one-star review, but it, it's one person's opinion. And 
it, we'll talk about the other stuff in a second, but it's just one person. And no one person can possibly encapsulate all of you. I don't care who that person is. I don't care if it's this person's partner. I don't care if it's their kid. I don't care if it's their mom. No one person can totally understand another person 1,000 million percent to such a degree that something they say can be completely destructive to that other person's identity without multiple iterations. You have to have a prolonged period of exposure to somebody just constantly chipping away at your foundation to really be affected by that. And in theory, somebody who leaves a review is not coming back for seconds. It's a review, not a condemnation. We've talked about this elsewhere. But for now, I want to address these three points. And like I said, we're going to work backwards. We're going to start with the uh, fact that this person called the author a lazy bitch. Okay, it's not great. Uh, as far as insults go, it's it's not terribly creative. And it, it hurts. Um, because uh, I don't know if the bitch part hurts more or less for this author than the lazy part. For me, the lazy part sticks out because bitch is is a mouth sound to me. It, it has very little meaning. I know for other people it can be very uh, aggressive and, and triggering and a problem. But okay, fine. This person does not like, I don't know, I'm assuming it's women because you don't you generally don't call men lazy bitch without more words in that sentence. So I'm assuming this person is a woman or female identifying, and the um, the lazy part sticks out to me. There's there's no level of laziness in publishing a book. There's a lot of emotional vulnerability. There's a lot of productivity. There's a lot of effort tied into it. So to to write it off as lazy bitch because of some reactions somebody else had, it's an assumption. They're assuming you're both a bitch and lazy based on the thing they think and feel about, you know, this typo. It's it's not a definition for yourself that you need to adopt and and like write on your forehead in Sharpie or staple to your soul and let it be a thing. Um, in, in more casual parlance, they can go fuck themselves. Like, there, there's nothing gained by that. That's point number one. Let's go back over here to the, the second point, that they should hire an editor. Now, in, in a reply to the statement, they said they did hire an editor. And several editors, myself included, came to just the general can, you know, the general speaking outness of this to point out that editors are human and typos happen. And typos get, you know, they fall through the cracks, but that does not reflect poorly on the editor. Certainly, because, you know, let's say there's 100,000 words, surely one of them being incorrect or a comma being out of place isn't evidence of complete failure. It's, you know, stuff happens all the time with anything we manufacture or produce. It's made by humans for humans. And imperfection not necessarily affords it some charm, but imperfections happen. Not everything is is a million percent perfect in its in its production there's there's problems it happens some cord has some deficiency in the sheeting some bed sheet doesn't have the elastic stitched exactly the same way a t-shirt isn't cut uniformly the same every time it rolls off the assembly line loads of stuff are different and sometimes mistakes happen now yes this person should have hired an editor they said they did i i have no choice but to take them at their word because i have no additional context for this Yes, you should hire an editor. 
And I under I, I know that there's an argument for for some people like how oh, how do I afford one? Uh, you fucking say that you can't afford one, and then you work out a payment plan. You ask, you shop around, you find somebody who's willing to flex with your budget. You don't opt out of editing, and you certainly don't. You know, and we'll talk about this tomorrow. You certainly don't like lean on some st- even in a more ineffective strategy than just going without. You don't go to like AI or something. You go ask a human to help you make your human art. And um, a lot of us, editorial or otherwise, will help you afford a plan that'll help you work. Like you could come to me and say, hey, I, I can't afford a whole thing. I know it's going to be a lot of money. Here's what I'm willing to afford. If you, if you, Come to me with your budget. I'm always happy to work out some way of making this happen. As long as I know what that framework is, I'm always happy to, to go with it. If you, if, you, if you don't know your budget, go figure out your budget first. That way I don't have to stop and like play this weird version of the prices, right? Trying to guess how much money you'll think you can afford. Like I, I don't, I'm not the one who needs to guess on how much money you have. You need to know how much money you have, but the most editors I know will wiggle a little on price. That's, that's fine. I don't like doing it. Obviously I don't think anybody likes doing it. Nobody goes out of their way to say, well, it's supposed to be a thousand dollar job and you're offering me $65 in a sandwich. Like that's, that's not necessarily fair to me, but I understand it happens. And from I can only speak for myself here. I've only turned down, I think, four jobs in the last year because of budget. But yes, bigger point, you should hire an editor. They, they will help you make your stuff better, especially a good editor. Uh, and you can determine a good editor by talking to them, not, not looking at the flawlessness of a text because that doesn't mean anything. Uh, you want to find somebody with whom you can you can vibe and connect with, not in in some kind of soft, you know, casual way, but in a in a in a serious way of like, does this person's goal sort of align with my own goal, and do I feel based on their attitude, based on their expression of themselves, do I think I can work with them to accomplish this thing I want to do? You should get an editor. Now on to the big point: the reader found a typo. Doesn't matter what the typo is specifically. But the reader found a typo, and because of this typo, they could not finish reading the book, and they had to let the author know. Now, I don't know what kind of dipstick cocksucker this reviewer is, because lazy bitch kind of gives it away, but um, let's just strip away some of the emotion around what is a bullshit review for a minute and just look at the sentence. This human is saying that they saw a word that was spelled wrong and because of it they could no longer read the rest of all the words in the book this word was spelled wrong and it was so absorbing of their focus so monumentally um, paralyzing to them that they could not keep reading. They couldn't stop looking at the fact that, here, here's a word I always spell wrong on the first try. Guarantee. I flip the A and the U. So, because they couldn't get past the word guarantee, and presumably this was, you know, maybe, I don't know exactly, but they got past page one, otherwise they would have said so. They couldn't let go of a typo. That's 
it would be one thing entirely if they made the typo and they knew it was there and they just, you know, they felt bad about it being there in the same way that like when I'm doing a thing and like, let's say I'm, I'm cutting up food and I know one of my cuts isn't as clean as some of the other cuts. I know I did not a great job, so I feel bad about it, but I can't really see the kind of, I don't even know what to call it. I can't think of the kind of insecurity or arrogance or myopia, nearsightedness that it would require so that when you saw somebody else's thing, whether it's a the way they've chopped a piece of food or whether they're or or how they drilled a hole in something, like I can't imagine being so self-centered and self-oriented that the littlest detail from somebody else's thing, whatever it is, absolutely so paralyzes you that you can't let it go. What kind of strange narcissism and being the main character does that does that lead for you? I, I don't get it. I, I don't like it. It sucks. Uh, fuck that person. And and I understand that there's an algorithmic fear that, oh, man, they left a one-star review. That ruins me. Um, just get more reviews, and then you're going to make that other review feel out of place. It's, it's fine. Putting it on social media is the right thing to do. Put that person out on blast. Get that shit out on Front Street. You'll generate people talking because they'll they'll want to see what the hell's going on and they'll want to take your side because fundamentally people are inherently good for the most part. But there's one more dimension to this that isn't getting talked about. Uh, and it's it's pretty significant. It's the idea that a writer goes into the publishing stages knowing that a reader has this ability to tank them. And a reader goes into the, a, a publishing standpoint knowing that their words, however ill-formed or inadequate they might be, has tremendous potential to ruin everything. This is called one-star hostage-taking. Because let's say you spend six years, I'm picking a big number, six years of weekends and hours on your lunch break, putting your heart and soul into this book, and somebody who doesn't know the six-year labor, who doesn't care about it at all, just making some snap decision about it, grades it poorly because of their own bullshit, their own baggage, their own assumptions, their own expectations. Not counting typos. They just didn't, it didn't vibe with them. Let's assume good intent here. They can leave a one-star review, which you, as an author, may have the misfortune of saying, well, my six-year struggle was only just one star, which is inaccurate. But some readers go into the position of reviewer holding this tremendous authority because they don't have any other sense of authority in their life. No one else gives them this level of control. They want a level of control. They like being in control for any number of reasons. And so they take out their fucking shit on the reader, on the writer. You know, oh, I, I didn't like this book. You know, the plot was great, but not good enough for me. And it should have been this and it should have been that. And I often end up telling clients that if you can precede a review with, if I were writing this book, I would dot, dot, dot. You know, you can discount the review. And certainly any one-star review is not worth your time just based on the number of stars. However, and here's the big wrinkle 
that people love to put back at me when I bring these things up. It might not be a big deal to me. It might not be a big deal as a person, but algorithmically, it's a big deal. A one-star review lowers or reduces the likelihood of you appearing in search results, meaning it's going to be harder for people to find your book, meaning it's going to be harder to sell the book, meaning it's going to be harder to make a living. Do you see the number of, of jumps we had to make, though? All of a sudden, because of one person's bullshit, now all of a sudden your career is in jeopardy? Do you know how panicked that sounds? Do you know how unfounded in reality and how based in what if that is? Look, it's a review. You're going to have more than one of them. You're going to struggle to get a few, I'm sure. But you can get more. But from a writing perspective, to write as though you have to pander or you have to like beg uh, a reviewer for a, a good review. Please, oh, please, oh, please don't give me one star. It'll kill me. That, that's that's giving far too much control to somebody who has very little reason for so much control. You're not your reviews. You're not your stars. Yes, it sucks that we let an algorithm dominate so much of our thinking. But notice that a lot of your marketing is you-driven. You're the one posting the link. You're the one telling people to buy the book. You're the one doing this and you're the one doing that. And depending on how you do that, you have the option for other people to leave reviews. You could also spin this more to your advantage. Hey, you, you want to see the uh, uh, you want to see the book I wrote that some guy called me a lazy bitch about? And let's prove him wrong. Read this book is a far more effective way of leveraging out of the hostage-taking, leveraging out of that fearful position that, oh my God, somebody wrote a one-star review and my whole world has come to a screeching halt. Because it hasn't. And it shouldn't. Don't let the motherfuckers get you down. Don't let them stop you. Keep going. Reviews are reviews. And if they bomb you, if they, if they you know, smash you on websites, find a way to turn it around. I know it's hard. I know it, it'll rattle you. It, it does. But remember, you're still in charge until you decide to quit. And that's certainly something to think about. I'll talk to you tomorrow.